0: I mean, I realize I'm the best from the East I'm a wild, crazy beast I'm the vent man <laughs> Please, honey, not
1: tonight Travel back in time to the 80s Reliving the music You can't have the Pretender's first album That's mine I bought it You did not! The catchphrases Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? And the wannabes
2: Sometimes I see and dance around the house in my underwear
1: Doesn't make me Madonna. Never will. Because just like you, we're
0: stuck in the 80s.
1: Can you say stuck in the 80s?
0: They said nobody wanted me anymore. Hollywood didn't want me. The movie studios didn't want me. Network TV didn't want me. Talk show host didn't want me. Jay Leno with a head bigger than these gloves didn't want me. David Letterman with a space between his teeth you could drive a 18-trailer tractor truck through didn't want me. Well, you know who does want me? You want me. The American public wants Andrew Dice Clay, the undisputed heavyweight comedy king.
3: It's the day all the fans of Stuck in the 80s have feared. We're devoting an entire show to Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah.
1: Hey, everybody. Yes.
3: Hey, everybody. It's your old pal, Steve Spears from Tampa Bay.com. Welcome to the show. With me, as always, my robust and uh, slightly <laughs> snotty friend, Sean Daly.
1: I'm not just slightly snotty. I'm incredibly snotty. I'm the only a-hole who gets a cold in July. <laughs> but I'm happy to be here on Andrew Dice Clay Day. It is. And with us, we, are, always- we are making Kathy Waz, our co-host, perform topless. Uh, today no, because it's not it was gonna just, happen no we want real a lot of male aggression and anger yeah. how do you feel about andrew dice clay kathy just um, let us know up front
2: i'm not a big fan i was um planning on pulling a norah dunn <laughs> and not participate in this but then i remembered that Nora dunn also got fired
1: yeah explain a little bit about uh Nora dunn and andrew um, dice clay what happened
2: when in the height of his controversy and popularity he was on saturday night live and Nora Dunn refused to do that episode, as did Sinead O'Connor. Which was famous <laughs> to all of us. <laughs> oh, stop. I don't like no, that. This comes from the person who, Sinead, who ripped up a picture of the Pope on national TV, so, you know.
1: So, Air Two. Are you eating candy? Air Two. Um, I don't know what's more disgusting: my snotty nose or your candy chewing? The sound of those uh, (laughs) wads clicking around your teeth. It's uh, Um,
2: it's you know, it's because I have to be.
1: so Steve, I bet you are a huge Andrew Dice Clay fan.
3: I was, and so it was shocking. It was an honor. He's coming to town here in uh, Tampa on July eighth. He's playing Side Splitters Comedy Club, and uh, I just on on a. on a just a fluke, really. I I emailed his agent and said, "Do you think uh, Andrew Dice Clay would be willing to talk to us on the podcast?" And he said, "Sure." <laughs> and so, yes, later in this show, you will actually hear from the man himself for uh, a few minutes here and there. It is by far the uh, strangest interview I've ever done. He.
2: Uh, that says a lot. Because remember, we did interview the first uh, lead singer of Duran Duran.
3: Yeah, this <laughs> is more strange than that. <laughs> He Andrew Nice Clay didn't really like the questions I had prepared for him, and so he just kind of went off, kind of went off on his own, and sort of did what he wanted to do. And so when we do the interview, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to give it to you in pieces because if I just gave it to you um, unfiltered and unedited, it would be twenty minutes of painful listening. And we should wow. tell uh, uh, in profanity.
1: L- we should tell listeners that earlier in the day, Steve and I interviewed Brian Johnson the show you heard last week, and that was probably the best interview we've done. Right. It was a strange day, because you're right. We had to interview and
3: Brian Johnson early in the day, and then I was supposed to interview – it was a strange day. I was supposed to interview
1: Brian uh, – And you and I had that uncomfortable moment in the elevator, which made the day even stranger. Yeah. I Congratulations. I, I just didn't know you were going to bend over at that exact minute. I'm <laughs> sorry. I, had, I,
2: thought, I thought you guys were never supposed to spend And like I didn't that.
1: know it was Zucchini Day in the cafeteria, so it was, it was all very uncomfortable. I believe uncomfortable. that was Yellow Squash, my friend. Oh. But uh, so we, a lot
2: of
3: people, yeah. No, <laughs> Why
2: am I here?
3: For uh, the puppies.
2: For the puppies, okay.
3: So, uh, but Sean, you have, to, you have to admit, I know you're a fan of Andrew Dice, of the Dice Man. Uh,
1: I like the chaos that went on uh, with him in the 80s you know uh, i i thought it was kind of funny to watch all the two sides bicker at each other and i like the you know dice was trying to do this thing where he was the not a comic but a rock star yeah and i heard that he he talked about that in your interview he like did. he's always trying to sell himself not as a comic but as a rock star it's cuz he's not funny because like the the like people would recite his uh his his jokes the nursery rhyme jokes hickory dickory dock all that stuff and also it was got it got kind of wild right at the shows
3: yeah well, his shows, he's, he said even today he has problems with some of the larger shows where people are beating the crap out of each other in the audience. I mean, these people are going and getting boozed up.
2: And, and they're was, all roided out. You know they are. <laughs> I don't know about that.
3: <laughs> but uh, so he he does kind of liken his shows to more like rock shows than than a comic show.
1: And uh, So I want to ask you real quick before we get into the interview. Okay. Uh, why didn't he like your questions? Why didn't he like my questions? Yeah, what did he say?
3: Uh, you know, I asked him, you know, one of the things that I... I've always liked him as an actor. And he did some really great performances in the 80s. I mean, he's distinctive in Pretty and Pink.
0: Well, let me ask you a question, seriously. Why does she come here knowing I don't let you in? Huh? Think about it. I don't know. <laughs> All right, my advice to you is, uh... Dump her. Loser. You don't need that. You see what I'm saying? You see the point I'm trying to make? Love's a bitch, duck loves a bitch
3: ain't it the truth oh it it it's
2: the truth.
3: truth high five man. a lot of people don't realize he was in an episode of mash he played two seasons on crime story and wasn't he crazy larry on different strokes he was crazy larry for a couple episodes he was uh and then he he had a pretty big role in the 1988 film casual sex with leah thompson
2: finny look You've been all over me for the past three hours and I think I've been pretty tolerant because it seems like there's a very funny, appealing guy in there somewhere.
0: Hey, look, maybe I'll come in we'll talk about it. I mean, that's a valid point. Bye. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh... we'll do it again sometime. I don't know. Yeah. I gotta go anyway. Really? No, upstairs. No, Sexy, don't beg. It don't look good on you. Really, another time, please, please, please. <laughs> I mean, I realize I'm the best from the east. I'm a wild, crazy beast. I'm the vent man.
3: <laughs> I just watched that again the other night to see what it was like. And the movie's not nearly as good as I remember it. But his performance was just as good as I remembered it. And he was—he is actually, I think, almost pro- probably a better actor than a comedian. And so I was kind of curious when I was talking to him. I really wanted to talk to him about his acting. And he just he just didn't want to talk about it. He sort of said, I said, well, how'd you get into it? How'd you start? He's like, I just went to interviews. There's auditions. There's nothing to it. And uh, I tried to get him to tell me some stories. And you'll hear the story about him and Judd Nelson. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, he just didn't want to talk about it. What he really wanted to talk about was VH1 and how they uh, mangled his reality TV show called Dice Undisputed, which just wrapped up. He was He was really unhappy about how, they took his footage that he had mainly filmed and kind of
1: misrepresented him. Wow. Not, that's not shocking. Him, that just,
2: happens on reality TV? <laughs> I
1: know. Who knew? I, I, I saw an episode of it, and it was it was strangely watchable, but they did portray him as this neurotic, you know, uh, kind of a weirdo a little bit. Like, very, very, very neurotic and kind of whiny. and Kind
2: of Richard Lewis-like?
1: Uh, nobody's, like,
2: neurotic <laughs> like that, or... Yeah,
1: maybe a yeah. little bit. Like he's just very, very nervous in it. Um, but again, it was—I thought the show was actually pretty good and pretty watchable. But you know, it sounds like he came here. He had something to promote, right? Right. Is there a second season? They pick up another season no, of No, he's—he's kind
3: of carrying it on now on uh, his MySpace page. Pretty much has the continuation of that show in in diary form and in little you know viral video form. Right. Wow. But uh, I, I think he would like another shot at doing a, a TV show, but. You know, I mean, so he was he had, he had an accident. Maybe right I'm about bravo.
2: That.
3: But I don't, I, mean, I don't know why he didn't like my
1: questions. I- Kathy, for a thousand dollars, would you make out with Andrew Dice Clay? Absolutely well, if not. If it was for charity, thousand dollars for <laughs> it a would have to charity. be
2: a lot more money for a charity. Sean
1: Daly, would you make out with Andrew <laughs> Dice Clay? I'd make out for for ten bucks for a hoagie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm easy. Uh, hey, listen. All right, so we we've talked enough about. Uh, we set it up. We'll talk a little bit about it after the interview. Everybody wants to hear the interview with him, right? Correct. Uh, he's coming to town. It's sold out. Sold out. Right. Hundred dollar tickets. They start at a hundred bucks. Hundred dollars, and it's
3: sold out more than a week in advance. Unbelievable.
1: And so it's coming to town. Uh, July eighth. You got to talk to him. It sounds controversial. Are we ready to roll it? Let me let me make one final warning.
3: Uh oh. For for the most part, we have not edited his comments. Wow! And so you're going to hear some very adult language in the following interview. And we're just going to let it
1: roll. Okay, let's do it.
3: Really appreciate you doing the the, uh, podcast with me today. No problem. So, uh, what's it like being out on the road again?
0: You know what, I'm having a great time with it, but you know, I'm really enjoying what I call the Club Dice Tour because the theaters, the theaters that I've been playing, the audiences obviously are bigger than a club, but they've been so insane that it's hard to control them. So, you know, I've really been enjoying the club because you have the same kind of energy going, but a smaller crowd. And I could have more fun as a performer with them.
3: Your your show's always had a lot of uh, audience interaction. I guess that's probably a lot easier to do in a club atmosphere.
0: You know what it is, though? I've now hooked into this MySpace stuff that uh, it's almost like a soap opera on my particular site that gets about 80,000 views a day. It's actually the first MySpace soap opera ever because it's real people, it's a real celebrity. Um For the most part, it's things that are going on in my life, and people have really hooked into it. I mean, I even had a meeting with MySpace because they couldn't believe the speed and, you know, the level I took it to. You know, they explain, like, celebrities normally don't even go to that level. You know, like a blog is like, you know... That's why, it's at. That's why it's called a blog. What I did, I went from my reality show right into the MySpace thing and just continued it. So to make a longer story, a little shorter, what happened is I'm now getting a lot of, you know, a new audience, a 20-year-old audience, on top of the fan base I already had, which causes a lot of craziness in the crowds. You know, when I was just in Westbury in New York, I mean, I don't even know how many fights there were. It was ridiculous. You know, it made it very difficult to perform, you know, when people are bashing chairs over other people's heads. (laughs) Oh, jeez. You know, this is about comedy, not about fighting.
3: That's bizarre.
0: Yeah, so, you know, I made a decision. I know I talked about... Giant stadium. I'm going giant. Sta- at this point, I'm going giant stadium. I do three thousand seats, and it's and it's bedlam. Jeez, so you know, uh, I just turned it around and I started doing what I call the club dice tour. So at least you know, people walk out going, "All right, great show," but I'm in one piece.
3: <laughs> oh, do you ever really worry about your safety, truly, when you're doing shows? I mean,
0: it's. The, it's not my safety. I'm worried about It's It's the audience. You know, the last thing a comic needs to be doing on stage is yelling to a guy 10 rows back. You okay? You know what I mean?
3: Unbelievable. I can't imagine. I don't think I've ever been to a show like that.
0: Yeah, so at least in the clubs they have good security and, you know, anybody gets out of line they get thrown out. That's it. Yeah. You know, I'm to make them laugh. Maybe, you know, be outrageous like I've always been but, you know, not for people to get hurt. Right. You know, and then I get pressured, you know, by my agents and management to go do the bigger places. And I'm like, you know what, fuck this, you know. I'd rather just, you know, do the club thing. You know, and that's also why we're charging a higher ticket price. Because we just don't want assholes coming in there, you know, paying a $15 cover to get stoned drunk and start fights. I can't have it.
3: Hey, I imagine a lot of your longtime fans probably still scream out for you to do some of your classic material. Do you still? Perform? Yeah, well, I
0: do that. You know, that's all, all part of my show. Little Miss Muffet sat on a tuffet, eating in Hulk a curds and Who came King Spidey, sat down beside. Her. He said, "Hey, what's in the bowl, bitch?" Oh, it wouldn't
3: it just wouldn't no. be the same without it, I guess.
0: No, it's like you know what? That that's the thing with me. It's it's more like. You know, like it's like a rock star playing smaller venues. That's all. You know, you can't even really look at me like a, you know, like a comic because the excitement I bring to it is more like a rock star. That's why when people ask me about like who my favorite comedians, I'll be quiet. I don't give a fuck about comedians. I never studied them. I don't know the history of them. I don't even like to go to, to comedy movies. You know what I mean? When people right. go, "Oh, but, this is the funniest thing." I'd rather see an action pack, like a Die Hard, a weapon. You know, I
3: bet a lot of your fans probably don't realize that you did a lot of television before you before you broke into uh, movies back in the eighties. I mean, you were on an episode of MASH. You were in different. Oh, did, you know,
0: I did a TV show called Crime Story. I For did, TV, you know, I yeah. did lots of TV. You know, that was Michael Mann. It was, you know, before The Sopranos was Crime Story.
3: How, how did you make that break into acting back then?
0: just to audition.
3: What, but but no big
0: story about it yeah
3: but i mean was there was there a thought in your mind that you know comedy stand up versus acting and just kind of see which whatever worked out better
0: no i just wanted to do both yeah
3: at what point did you kind of say you know i'd rather do this than that
0: i didn't and you still have never said that
3: okay am yeah, cur-
0: it's just that, you know you just follow life and you go the way it goes
3: i think a lot of people probably from from our podcast probably remember you best or at least remember you the first time when you played uh, in uh, Pretty in Pink
0: you gotta... Pretty in Pink you know what they're rerunning that like crazy now Oh, all the time it's a lot of people's yeah, favorite that movie that was from... like that whole Brat Pack thing I did a couple movies like that you know I did that I did uh, Casual Sex which was a big movie you know with oh, Lee oh, yeah. Thompson I own them both on DVD you know Making the Great it was all that Brat Pack you know Judd Nelson all those people
3: any any fond memories or any good stories about those days?
0: I really like Judd Nelson, but when we worked together, you know, he's got, like, a crazy temper. I do, too, but, you know, like, he likes to slam doors and things like that. And uh, we were sharing our trailer together, and he came in and nearly bashed my hand with the door. He was going so nuts. So... <laughs> <laughs> so I nearly had it just throw him, it was just beating, but, of course, we really dug each other right in. Yeah, yeah. You know, good guy, though. And any time we see each other, we, you know, it's always great. You know what I mean? We really spent a lot of time back then.
3: Did you get to improvise? I don't know if that's a great story. It's yeah, just... It's yeah, a good story. You
0: know, I, I don't know.
3: Uh, it's really
0: not a good story. <laughs> I, I could tell you a million great stories. That's not one of them. You know? he slammed the door who gives a fuck who's even thinking about him right now nobody I don't think his own family's thinking about him who gives a fuck for him I like him he's a friend of mine
3: how do you think it is that you know someone like him who is a talented guy you know kind of he was you know real popular at one point sort of faded out whereas you know you've got people like you who you've been around for you know 30 years now
0: and, and still well, every career you know every career you know Most careers are a roller coaster ride, especially if you're an actor. You know, it's not like Judd. You know, uh, like an actor goes out and does stand up. You know, so you know that's the one thing I got going. You know that I could just get out there. You know and do my stand up. That's the beauty of you know stand up comedy. It's it's a career unto itself.
3: Looking back, you know, back to about 1989 when um, MTV made you, I guess, the only person who's ever been banned from their network. Yeah. In the long run, you think that's probably done you more good than bad?
0: Oh, it definitely did. You know, it's, it, no, you know it was a ridiculous thing that just made my controversy and my career go even further through the roof. But, you know, they unbanned me when I uh, did the reality show recently on VH1.
3: I was going to ask about that because VH1's a sister station, so they did do the, undo the ban.
0: That's cool. Yeah. No more banning.
3: What was it like to do a reality show for TV? Was it all that much different than acting, or did you kind of feel like uh, you had to... Well,
0: I filmed most of it, and, and the thing was that, you know, um, the producers had their idea of what the show should be, so they really didn't put in the edge that I felt it needed. Like always, they got involved where they shouldn't fucking get involved. I've been filming for years, and they really didn't need anything other than the tapes I'd been filming. You know, they could have just edited those, and it would have been a very, very real reality show. You know, nothing made up, nothing, you know, just, you know, I've been filming myself for many years, and anybody that's ever watched my tapes says, you could just throw this right on TV, and people would just get absorbed. Because I film it myself, it's my my real family. It's my real friends. It's my day to day life. It's it's a hobby that I perfected before reality shows were even done. So I liked what they did at it together. I mean, it was a, a fun show to watch, but I was really trying to to show what I've been living. You know what it what it's been like. You know, uh, bringing up my sons. Um, going through a rough divorce, you know, and yet then being engaged to a great girl, but we're not engaged anymore because people could only take so much of me, you know.
3: <laughs> I'm putting you in charge of the first uh, TV network I ever get to own, okay? we're gonna f- you. We're going to fix the world. <music> so there he is in all his glory, uncensored glory for that matter. What
1: little What'd you prickly. guys think? A little prickly.
3: Yeah. yeah Now, like I said, when I first interviewed him, it, it lasted about twenty minutes, and it, like the last five minutes he was trying to get me off the phone, but I, I still didn't have the sound bite I wanted from him, so there's a couple other sound bites that I really like from the interview, and I want to play those for you because I think they're really interesting. Uh, one of which is I asked him, you know what what is the problem with v h one you know why are you so man- angry at them and um, here's his take on that.:
0: What are you doing trying to make guys soft on v h one? I mean, yes, there's a very vulnerable side to me. There's a sensitive guy behind the leather jacket, but that's the guy that takes care of his sons and his family. You know what I mean? You know, there's all different sides to a person. You know, show me in the bedroom making out with my chick. Show me being romantic with her. You know what I mean? I
3: got you. You know,
0: they just, you know, they just fuck it up, dumb fucking bastards.
3: I think that's pretty. Inter- that's an interesting take on his part, but uh, and and you start to hear the language that we all love and admire so much. If you're a fan of his, now here's the take. I asked him. He was he was hinting that the fact that you know he knows that a lot of people don't like him, and I was trying to get towards the question of uh, you know how, comparing yourself with other comics, and he kind of nipped me in the butt on that one. And here's his real quick uh, take on what makes comedians different than ordinary people.
0: Comics do not get along. Comics, even if they're nice comics like Jerry Seinfeld, who's a cleaner comic, uh, you know, on stage, comics are angry fucking people. You know, if they're any good, they take real life and they just throw it right in the audiences' faces and let them know what asshole people they really are.
1: So there you go. There's the Dice Man. Good job. You did a good job. You stayed strong. I did the best I could. I think what Dice Man needs to realize as well is that more people listen to the show than saw his <laughs> show on VH1. <laughs> probably. Probably. But anyway, he was nice enough to talk to us. And again, I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, he's a little bit of a performance he was giving you, I think. Oh, yeah. You know?
2: There was a persona there. I mean, I, was, I don't know if I any of us probably, know the real Dice Man.
3: I was probably more intimidated talking to him than I was talking to Brian Johnson earlier.
1: Well, Brian Johnson immediately made you feel. Made you feel good. Uh, Can I just say one thing about our Brian Johnson interview? And I hope people listen to it. If you haven't, have you listened to it yet, Kathy? No, I haven't yet. You got to go and listen to it. It's great. But one of your readers on your blog, Steve Spears, called me out. Um, uh, by by saying that when I was talking to Brian Johnson, I introduced myself as rock critic, <laughs> and that I swore a lot and tried to act like we were buddies at a bar. Like I, 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 re- I thought you
2: were the pop music critic. Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I really
1: wanted Brian Johnson to like me, which is absolutely 100 percent correct. I am not denying that. And kudos to your, your 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 reader and our listener for bagging me on that.
2: Wow. But yeah. I I, I Thank apologize. You.
1: I apologize for nothing. But it's true. I really want and, and uh, I really want Brian Johnson to like me a lot. I want to be friends with him. I wanted to be the best man at my wedding, but anyway, it's not going to happen. But. Very smart, but yeah, it was very different. I mean, you know, and you had both in the same day. You had Brian Johnson, then you had Dice Clay. Brian Johnson was accommodating, was hilarious, really wanted to talk to you. Seemed like he enjoyed your questions, whereas Dice maybe had a job to do. And- well,
3: Dice is—I mean, Dice is promoting his tour and. uh and it's doing well. The and I'm sure, doing well. And I'm sure he's getting a little sensitive about the comeback questions and stuff like that. I don't blame him. I'd get sensitive
1: about it too. Dice, dice should be happy that people are asking him questions D- actually, at all. Yeah. and that ask no, him to come back. I think you guys are being hard on the guy. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm it's great. No, I'm. Everybody deserves a comeback. But again, yeah. the reason, you know, I mean, Brian, Brian Johnson's from ACDC. He doesn't have any trouble talking to us, right? Right. And he's excited about. It. He's got something to promote. People ask some questions. I just think that you know, yeah. Dice is you know, it's cool. I'm 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 you know, good for him. But again, do your work, get out there and promote.
3: It's uh, it's t- I think it's a little intimidating too. He's the f- uh, Dice man was the first comedian we've ever interviewed on the show. I mean, usually we do a lot of uh, you know musician interviews, yeah, and occasionally we've done an acting interview, an actor's interview, and usually those don't go as well. Uh, Molly Ringwald didn't go mm-hmm. great,
0: yeah,
3: and. Um, Tom Wopat was kind of you know shaky at times. You just don't know what to say to them because for a lot, a lot of those guys really have moved on. I mean they don't have to. Unlike musicians, they don't have to go out every night and play the same tunes over and over exactly. again. Exactly. I mean they have moved on, but um, act, you know comedians. You know I mean I, I I think number one on my list to interview from the eighties comedian wise has got to be Eddie Murphy. Oh jeez! <laughs> I,
1: I, I'm, I'm a huge Eddie Murphy. I fan. know,
3: and I I wonder how what he would be like because I know in person wow. he's not nearly as um, forward and outward. I mean he's not a Robin Williams. You know, Robin Williams is Robin Williams twenty four hours a day. Yeah. I don't think the guy ever calms down. But no. Eddie Murphy's more. But Dice Man, I mean, he's an enigma wrapped in a puzzle. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and you love the adventures of Ford Fairlane, don't you? I did like well, that movie.
2: You and three other people. Oh, Sean liked
1: it too. I like but, the, uh, the soundtrack a lot. Well, and Wayne yeah. Newton's in it, which is I know. Just, well, I love Priscilla Wade Presley,
3: Newton. the lovely Priscilla Presley. That's all we got for you this week. Uh, go out there and give uh, casual sex and pretty and pink another chance. Go have casual sex. Go have
2: casual sex and be pretty and pink. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> oh, oh, that's I don't think we there. can top that. <laughs> anyway, along with uh, Sean, Kathy, and me, and Andrew Dice Clay, we remain here firmly stuck in the eighties.
2: Ciao. Oh.
3: Stuck in the 80s is produced by the St. Petersburg Times and tampabay.com. To read our blog, go to blogs.tampabay.com slash 80s, email us at the 80s at tampabay.com, and remember to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes.
0: Talking to you, and we could talk again sometime, but uh, I got to get some fake hair dye put in my head so I look a year younger for the audience (laughs) when I get there.